All right. Have you ever met someone for the first time, very first time you met them, and you thought, I want to get to know that person better? And you just thought, that person is great. I want to get to know that person a whole lot better. That happened to me the first time that Kate walked into the free preschool that I was in when I was four years old. And I just thought, I have got to get to know that person better. And so ever since then, I've been getting to know Kate a whole lot better. It's been great. And so um, I'm excited this morning to talk about something that the scriptures talk about in Ephesians chapter 1. As we are going through the book of Ephesians throughout um, this summer, and we're going to talk about something really important this morning. We're going to talk about getting to know God better. Because right here in Ephesians, we are challenged by the Apostle Paul to make a decision with our life to know God better. And then he gives us several ways that we can actually specifically get to know God better and ways that we can discover God's character, God's nature, and who he is. And so in our text, we will find the somewhat, or you may think, the impossible task of getting to know God better. In fact, you may even be thinking, is that possible? Is it possible to get to know God better now than I do today? And the answer is yes. The answer is yes, 100% to that. Because when we believed in God and we said yes to Jesus Christ, we entered into a relationship with God. It wasn't just a one-time decision. It was an everyday decision. But we said yes to being in relationship with God the Father, with Jesus Christ, and with the Holy Spirit. Because God is a relational God. And we're getting to know Him. Now what's even better is God wants to know you. And that's why He left heaven and came to earth. That's why He created you. Because He wants to be in relationship with you. And He's not some arrogant God that wants to keep His distance from you because He's so awesome. High school's over, so we don't have to deal with that anymore, right? <laughs> Remember high school where some of the kids thought they were so awesome that they couldn't be around you? Uh, that's not God. That's not what he's like, and that's not what life is like anymore. And so we know that God wants to be close to us. In fact, Psalm 145.18 says, The Lord is near. He's near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. So this morning, we're going to concentrate on this very important part of our faith, knowing God better. Because knowing God is a benefit to every area of our life. I've discovered that every single area of my life and every single day that I get to know God better, something in me grows. Something in me gets better. The more I get to know God, the better man I am, right? Kind of like the closer I get to Kate, the more I get to know Kate, the better husband I am. The more I get to know my kids, hear their heart, learn what they're doing, involved in their lives, the better father I am. The more I get to know the place I work at, the employees, my boss, the mission, what we're doing, the better employee I am. This is a natural part of how relationships work. Now, as we get to know God better, we have to be careful that we don't get to know God better just because you want something for yourself, right? That should never be a reason to get into a deep, intimate, good, healthy relationship with someone. When you're in a healthy relationship with someone, you want to give to that relationship. They want to give back. So we don't want to get into a relationship with God for selfish reasons because we, we want to get something from God. But here's the problem with that dilemma, Right? I don't want to go, I don't want to be in relationship to get something from God because I'm trying to use him as my sugar daddy. That's not how it works. But what's interesting is as you grow deeper and deeper in relationship with God and you fall more and more in love with your heavenly father, with Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit, here's what you're going to discover. He loves to give you good gifts. And so even though you're not in it for selfish reasons, you won't be able to stop him from blessing you, from loving you, 
from encouraging you, from healing you, from restoring you, from rescuing you, and from just every single day being a blessing in your life, you won't be able to avoid it. Why? Because that's who God is. That's exactly who he is. And he won't stop being who he is. And so this morning, as we look at these verses, verses 15 to 23 in Ephesians chapter 1, we're going to discover just how good a God is. And so let's pray, and then we'll look at the text together, make some points from it, and, um, and call it a, a morning. So uh, Jesus, we thank you so much for your word. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for um, people that wrote down these words that we could study, that could encourage us today in 2023 to live for Christ, to obey the Lord, and to honor him with our lives. Thank you for this section of scripture that challenges us to know you better, Lord, and, and, and enhances our relationship with you and models for us that we can know you and know you better. So help us to be people that want to know you better, have a desire to know you better, and practically are discovering that for our life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15 to 23, and I'm going to read it from the New International Version. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for those who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of of him which fills everything in every way. Man, there's a lot there, isn't there? A lot about who God is, about who Jesus is, and about what they've done for us. But let me point out, as we launch into this idea of getting to know God better, let me point out some, something in verse 17. So look again at verse 17 with me. It says, I keep asking. Now, let's stop there just for a minute. So what we see is Paul is praying. And he's praying for believers. He's praying for us. He's praying for the present believers. But here's what he says. I'm asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you, here's the idea of God always wanting to give us something, right? May give you the Spirit. Spirit is capitalized because we're talking about the Holy Spirit, not our own personal Spirit. May give you the Holy Spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. Now here we see Paul's desire for us as followers and disciples of Jesus Christ. His heart for us is that we would know God better, that we would get to know God better all the time. One of the things that has just become I think just kind of a natural prayer out of the overflow and the abundance of my heart. Almost every night, Kate and I pray together before we go to bed. And almost every night, I pray, Lord, would you help Kate and I and our family, our immediate and extended family, to know you better tomorrow than we did today. It's just something we need in our world, isn't it? We need God in our lives. And we want him in our lives. And we want to be constant learners of who God is of his word, about how he wants us to live and who he's called us to be. And that's who God is. God wants to love us and we want to love him. It needs to simply become the desire of our heart to have a deep and abiding relationship with God. Now, 
As we talk about knowing God better, we've got to discuss something before we can launch into the ways that we can get to know God better. If we're going to get to know God better, the first thing we have to understand is who? Who are we getting to know better? Who is God? Well, this verse, verse 17, tells us that he is a triune God. He's not just one person. He's three in one. I know that's kind of hard for our brains to understand or to figure out, but we do have examples of that, like an egg. An egg has a shell, and it has a white, and it has a yolk. But when you, when my wife tells me to go to the store, she doesn't say, hey, go get me some shells, some whites, and some yolks. She says, go get me an egg, right? So when we use the term God, when we use the name God, we actually mean three people. In a perfect relationship, who created the planet, created you and me, and who is in a perfect relationship just like we are designed to be with God. Now verse 17 tells us who this God is. He's the glorious Father, He's Jesus Christ our Savior, and He's the Holy Spirit, or the Spirit referring to the Holy Spirit, who gives wisdom and revelation that helps us know God better. Now, the Bible has been confirming this theological idea from the beginning of Scripture to the end. Let me just give you a couple verses to highlight this. There's more than the ones I'm going to give you, but let me just give you a couple. The first one is actually in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. It says that God the Father is doing all of the creating. Romans 1 and Colossians 1 and Ephesians 1 and other places in Scripture tell us that Jesus was part of that creation. And in verse 1, it also tells us that the Holy Spirit was hovering on the planet before any of the creation started. So in the creation process, we have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. But when we get to verse 26, and God is now creating, He's created everything else, but He's creating you and me. He's creating humanity. We have this statement. Then God said, let us, it's plural, make mankind in our, plural again, image, in our, plural again, likeness. In one verse, God refers to himself as plural three times. And we see that throughout scripture. Another time is in Isaiah, 20, uh, Isaiah 6, 8. It says, Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? And I said, Here am I, send me. I hope you're in that place too, that whenever God says, Hey, I, I've got a project for you. I've got a person for you. I need someone that needs to hear about Jesus. I hope you say the same thing Isaiah does. Lord, send me. Here's a couple New Testament ones. In Matthew chapter 3, verses 16 and 17 at Jesus' baptism, we see all the people of the Trinity involved. It says, as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my Son, whom I love, with him I am well pleased. So we see at Jesus' baptism, obviously Jesus is present, the Spirit of God is present, and the Father is present, declaring who Jesus is, that he is his Son. At the end of the Gospel of Matthew, as Jesus is risen from the dead, he's heading back to heaven, he gives us a great commission. And in this statement, we're called and told how to make disciples. It's a very common verse. It just says, therefore, go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Jesus commands us to baptize in the name of all three people in the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And then in 2 Corinthians 13, 14, as the Apostle Paul is just making some clarity there about some things, he says, May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. I thought he used a good word there, fellowship. This is what God is. He's in perfect fellowship, a perfect relationship, just like we are called to be with him. 
Now let me point out one more thing in verse 17 that I think is important as we talk about getting to know God better and getting to know the triune God that is, I think, important to this um, understanding of getting to know God as well. In verse 17, he says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. Now, here's what's interesting. Paul says, God's going to give us the Holy Spirit, but in particular, the Holy Spirit is going to help us with two things. And these two things are going to help us get to know God better. In fact, without them, it would be very, very difficult for you and I to get to know God better. The first one is wisdom. The Spirit, the Holy Spirit, has perfect wisdom. And the Holy Spirit is going to help you and I understand and how to get to know God better. Now, the only way that you and I can get to know God better is if we have supernatural wisdom inside of us. Why? Because God is so immense. He's so large. He's so comprehensive mentally, physically, spiritually, psychologically, everything. He is so large of a person and of a concept. You and I need supernatural wisdom to understand him. If we are going to try to just figure out God on our own foolishness, it just will not happen. We do not have the brain capacity to even figure out in our own foolishness of mankind to figure out God. So we need some help and we need some supernatural help. And that supernatural help is the Holy Spirit who is giving us wisdom to understand an all-wise and knowing God. So that's really cool that God says, I'm coming, I'm putting my Holy Spirit in you, and he's going to give you wisdom. Now, the second thing he's going to give us is he's going to give us revelation. Revelation. Now, this is important. Have any of you in the room ever had a moment, just you're just going through your normal day, your regular day. Nothing is different or seems to be different in the, in the moment, but all of a sudden, God shows up in your heart, and he speaks to you about something that's happening in your life right in the moment. And before, you didn't notice it at all. Maybe you didn't even notice that person was hurting at work, and God revealed it to you. Maybe you didn't even notice that there was something inside you that God's been trying to work on and heal and clean up, and you didn't even notice it until God revealed it to you. Maybe there was something you were reading in the Word, and it's been kind of confusing to you for a while, and all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit revealed it to you, and the light bulb came on. Have you had moments like that? I have. Lots of them. What, what's happening in that moment? What's happening in that moment is the Holy Spirit is revealing something to you and to me supernaturally that we could not have comprehended in our own humanness. We needed the Holy Spirit to go beyond our foolish humanity and give us wisdom and revelation so that we could know God better. And so the Holy Spirit is the one doing that work in us. We need the Holy Spirit. We need him working in and through us. And so you and I, one of the things that we have to remember is Jesus said to the disciples, I must leave so that the Holy Spirit can come and live in you because he's super important. This is just another example of how important the Holy Spirit is. And when you and I often, I think this is a, gen, uh, a general statement, but I think it's fairly true. I think in our Christianity, we have a pretty good hold on God the Father, and we got a pretty good hold on Jesus Christ, but we're a little bit loose with the Holy Spirit. And, and so sometimes we don't have a good theology of the Holy Spirit, understanding what He does in our life, understanding who He is. And sometimes maybe we've... Um, come in contact with a hyper-Pentecostal charismatic person and they gave us the heebie-jeebies about the Holy Spirit and now we just kind of, ah, yeah, <laughs> I'll, I'll hang out over here with God's Word. But then you read a verse like this and you go, oh, but wait, God's Word is telling me how important the Holy Spirit is in my life. 
God's Word's telling me the Holy Spirit's not weird. The Holy Spirit's not meant to give me heebie-jeebies. So why did that person give me heebie-jeebies? Because it was the person, not the Holy Spirit. Because sometimes in our Christianity, we can do dumb stuff. Let's be honest, right? It's true. Sometimes in our humanity, we don't actually look like Jesus because it's more us than it is Jesus, but we call it Jesus and we act like it's Jesus when it's really not. But we try to be holy and honest and stuff. And in the moment, we, we say we, we try to act Christian-like and we're trying to act like we're in the Holy Spirit, but we're really not. We're actually acting in our emotionalism. And that happens a lot. And it particularly happens in Pentecostal charismatic sittings and situations. But here we see this moment where... I think it's important for us to understand if we're going to get to know God better, the challenge with that is I got to get to know the Holy Spirit better. And I just want to encourage you, if if the idea of the Holy Spirit and how he works still kind of gives you the heebie-jeebies, can I encourage you? The Holy Spirit's not weird. People are weird. It's true. The Holy Spirit is not weird. There are people that operate in the Holy Spirit and well, think they're operating in the Holy Spirit, I should say, and claim that they're operating in the Holy Spirit, and they're not. It's just true. And some of them call themselves pastors and apostles and prophets. And so we think, well, they must really know what this is all about. No, sometimes we act in our humanness more than we do in the Spirit, and we simply just like, like an emotional person, and it's not the Holy Spirit at all. And so I want to encourage you in that. I just want to call that out just for a moment because if you're still kind of wondering how far should I go with the Holy Spirit because I saw that guy on TV and I don't think I'm ready to go that far. Good. I don't think you're supposed to go that far. I think you're supposed to go as far as the Holy Spirit wants you to go in order and in proper wisdom and revelation. And so let the Holy Spirit take you there day by day, moment by moment, as you get to know him better, you will discover God's not weird. He's holy. He's gracious. He's kind. He's orderly. That's the God we serve. The person we are getting to know better is the triune God who lives in perfect relationship. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Now, the next part is verse 18 and 19, where Paul tells us three things that you'll want to know about God. Three things that will help you get to know God better. And so I want to share those three things with you um, as we finish out our conversation about these verses. So as we're getting to know God better, these three things will help us to know him better. And these three things are hope, our inheritance, and the power that God has given us. The first is our hope. And Paul says it like this. It's the hope he has called us to. He's called us into relationship with Jesus. And as we got called into relationship with Jesus, something was deposited in us that wasn't there before. And that something is hope. That something is now you and I have something to live for something to look forward to. And that is hope, because hope is Christ. It's Jesus. Now, this is who God is. We need to understand this. This helps us know God better, because when you understand that hope is alive inside of you, you understand that this is who God is. He's a person who loves to give people hope. Uh, Now, I don't know about you, but if I was going to have a really good friend, and I was picking things that would be expectations for a great friend. I'd want that friend to have great hope in me, in the world, in our relationship, in our friendship, in our fellowship. And I would just say, I want to hang around somebody that has a lot of hope. I don't want to hang around a Debbie Downer all day. I want to hang around somebody that's got hope. And that's who God is. God always gives hope. Now this hope that we have been called to is the hope of glory in Christ. As you connect this section to the section before and you talk about hope and carry it all the way through chapter 1, you discover this about hope. Because we are in Christ, because we are called, 
chosen, predestined, saved, redeemed, forgiven, marked in the Spirit, we have hope. All of those things are what give us hope in Jesus Christ. We also know from Scripture, we hope in our future glory in Christ that we experience because we are free from our sin. It's also a hope that we are sharing in the salvation of Jesus in his corporate body as the church, but also individually as we are walking and living with Christ. Our hope is also in Jesus, who is preparing a home for us that we believe is in heaven for us. Our hope is also the present indwelling of the Holy Spirit that is in every person who has put their hope and their belief in Jesus. Now here's what's really cool about hope. God knows that we need hope. He knows that as humanity, there is a side of our life that is deficient. And there's lots of things that are deficient, but right now I'm just talking about hope. I don't have time to talk about all the deficiencies. We'll just talk about this one, right? We have a hope deficiency in our life. Every human being has a hope imperative. It is imperative that we need hope. We must have hope in something or someone. We can see that in all of humanity, every single one of us. If you're struggling today in your life, it's probably because you have hope in nothing. Because when we have hope in no one or in nothing, guess what happens? We turn into hopeless narcissists. We have a country full of hopeless narcissists. And we're all grasping and searching and clinging to whatever, whatever will give us the next fix of hope in the moment because we don't put our hope in Christ. When you don't put your hope in Christ, that's exactly what happens. You grasp and search and cling and you, you'll just grab a hold of whatever gives you hope in the moment and it ends up being unhealthy and maybe even in an addiction. And before you know it, what you thought was bringing you hope is just bringing you down. Because only hope in Jesus helps us be healthy. See, without Jesus, we are wandering aimlessly on this planet, struggling to figure out why we are here and what we should do with our lives because we are hopeless and we're discovering all the ways that we've tried to get hope on this planet simply do not fit. This is why Jesus came. This is exactly why Jesus left heaven, came to earth, and died on a cross for you and I so that we could have hope in our lives and so we could give that hope away to others that need it as well. The first thing that helps us know God better is understanding that he has given us hope for our present and our future. The second truth that helps us know God better is understanding the inheritance that he has for us. The inheritance he has for us. Now let's put this in context and let's remember what we studied last week when we talked about inheritance. That inheritance in Christ is spiritual, not physical. Okay? We talked about this last week. That the inheritance that we have in Jesus Christ is spiritual, not physical, and that's important because God is smart, because physical things are just going to die and fade away, and they don't last, and somebody can steal them, and they're taken away, and so it's not a good thing to have physical things that we're clinging to, because at any moment, they can be gone. And if we're putting our hope in something physical, then it can be taken away. But if we put our hope in Christ as our Savior, you can't take away your salvation, can't take away your redemption. Somebody can't break your forgiveness. Doesn't work that way. So God gives us spiritual inheritance because it is so much more important than physical inheritance. Now, physical inheritance is important. It's not what we're talking about today, but let me just not uh, throw the baby out with the bathwater bath here. It is important for us to save. It is important for us to have retirement. 
It is important for us to give something away to the next generation. So don't hear me say that uh, uh, you should go spend all your kids' inheritance now and buy whatever you want. That's not what I'm saying at all. What I'm saying is our spiritual inheritance is way more important than our physical inheritance. And we should probably spend more of our time thinking and praying and processing and living in our spiritual inheritance than in our physical inheritance. Does that make sense? If it does, say amen. This inheritance is ours because we are in Christ. The fact that we have an inheritance is also indicative of the heart of God. It's indicative of God's heart for you, God's heart for me. The fact that he wants to give you incredible and miraculous and marvelous gifts is indicative of his heart. Let me give you an example. It's a small example, and it's uh, much more foolish and human. But when somebody passes away, and maybe they were quite wealthy, and the family shows up to the reading of the will, and those are always very interesting moments. I've always wanted to be a lawyer on that end. Like, there must be so many really kind of funny moments that happen in rooms during that moment. Because as a lawyer reads the will, what do you discover about the wealthy person? You discover who they really liked and who they didn't. I mean, that's what you find out, right? Because someone gets more than someone else. (laughs) Somebody gets something that was more special than someone else. And what you discover in the reading of that will, in the passing out of the inheritance, is that yes, that person loved you, thought you were special, but there were some that were more special than others. Now, aren't you glad that God doesn't give his inheritance like that? That's not how God gives his inheritance. We talked about this last week as well. That our spiritual inheritance is not based on gender, race, socioeconomic status, how well you're obeying Jesus or not. It's not what it's based on. It's based on, do you believe in Jesus? If you believe in Jesus then everything in the kingdom of God, all of his power, all of his resources, everything he has is yours now and forevermore. Your inheritance is now, but also in the future. That's how much Jesus loves us. Now, did it cost our heavenly father something to give us that inheritance? You bet cost Jesus his life. We say this often, and it's true. Grace is free, but it's not cheap. It's free to every one of us, but it costs Jesus his life. All of his blood poured out for you and me. But that inheritance is ours. And that inheritance is namely our eternal life. Our eternal life is found in Christ. And that inheritance reveals the value that God places on you. It it shows us the value that God places on his holy people, the church, that he is the head of and the authority over. See, his holy people will receive an awesome inheritance. When we leave this world and we enter into our eternal home, that inheritance is waiting for us. But it's also happening right now. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 17 and 18, the Apostle Paul is trying to help us understand how this inheritance works. It's a bit of an a, a even deeper look into this inheritance. Let me read it for us and understand some more from it. He says, For our light and momentary troubles. Let me just stop there for a moment. For our light and momentary troubles. Can you just say to your neighbor really quick, light and momentary trouble. Go ahead. Light and momentary trouble. Now let me ask you a question before we go on. Is that how you think of your trouble? I bet it's not, is it? It's not how I think of my trouble. I think of my trouble as depressing and debilitating. 
I don't ever call my trouble light and momentary. But here's what Paul is saying. When you understand what it means to be in Christ, when you understand the hope that he's called you to, when you understand the inheritance that you have as a follower of Jesus Christ, when you understand the incomparable great power that is yours in Christ through the power and the filling of the Holy Spirit, when you understand that, all your trouble is what? Light and momentary. Man, I don't know about you, but sometimes Mark is so thick-headed that that's got to be bonked into me with a two-by-four over and over again. That my trouble on this planet is light and momentary because I am in Christ and He is in me. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So, so, or therefore, we, what do we do? Because our troubles are light and momentary and because our eternal glory far outweighs any trouble here, what do we do? We fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. <laughs> now, wow, that's the challenge, isn't it? Like the challenge for you and I is we don't live in the middle of the Amazon jungle where there ain't nothing. We live in the wealthiest place on the planet. <laughs> so we've got so much cool stuff that we see every single day that it makes it difficult to dismiss all the cool stuff we see in front of us based on modern technology that is awesome, by the way, right? Right? Like you'd rather be living now than in the dark ages, right? The 1200s. You didn't even have flush toilets, people. Come on. It holes. So we love today, right? But the challenge for you and me the challenge in our brain, the challenge in our thoughts, the challenges that are coming in our eyes and processing information in this gigantic file folder we have called a brain, the challenge in our heart, the challenge in our spirit that's supposed to be connecting with God who is spirit, that challenge is we have so much cool stuff that we get to see all the time that it distracts us from what? from the unseen. It distracts us. The physical blessing distracts us from the spiritual blessing. The physical inheritance distracts us from the spiritual inheritance. And so this is the challenge. This is the challenge for us moving forward. To focus our attention on what is unseen instead of what is eternal. Now, I, I've seen people that can do this. I've seen people standing in front of their house, watching it burn to the ground and go, God beat me to it. I mean, he was going to burn it all anyway. And I'm just happy that I'm alive and I'm in Christ. And you go, what did you say? Because they get it. It's not about what's in my house. It's about what's in my heart. And you can't take away what's in my heart. You can take away what's in my house, throw a match in there, and it's gone. But you can't take away Jesus. You can't take away the glorious Father. You can't take away the Holy Spirit. And we've got to get it through our thick skull that that's what's important. The unseen, not the seen. Now here's what else is great. When we, think, when we understand that the unseen is important, then we will use all of our seen stuff to present the gospel around the world. We'll use all of our seen resources, all of it, to buy pancakes and sausage to send kids to camp, <laughs> to help missionaries present the gospel, and to share Jesus with the lost and hurting world. 
That's what happens when the unseen is no longer the most important. So who is God? Who are we getting to know better? We're getting to know a giver of hope and a future inheritance. Now, the third reason that Paul says we should get to know God better is because of a very important present reality that each of us are living in as followers of Jesus who are in Christ. It's power that's in you. Paul says it like this. The power you have because you believe in Jesus. Because you believe in Jesus, Jesus said the Holy Spirit would be deposited in you. He would make a mark on your life. And the Holy Spirit would begin to help you live for Jesus. Every single day, with every decision, with everything you need help with, the Holy Spirit is there to be your helper, your counselor, your confidant, your encourager. That's why he's in you, to help you be like Jesus. The power we have in Christ is the presence of the Holy Spirit indwelling in us every minute of every day. That is a reality as a follower of Jesus Christ. This helps us know God intimately on a completely different level than we ever could have tried by obeying the law and studying the Old Testament. That's why Jesus said, I've fulfilled the law and I now want you to live in the spirit. I don't want you to fulfill the law anymore. I want you to obey the spirit. And I want you to understand who the Holy Spirit is in you because he is power in you. You will become my witnesses when the Holy Spirit comes upon you in power. Now, this is a great power that lives in you. This power is similar, it says, to the power that raised Jesus from the dead. That's a pretty powerful power. The power that raises people from the dead. Now, some of us in this room may know somebody that was raised from the dead in a medical way, right? That, that happens in a medical way, but we just don't normally see that anymore. Somebody just comes back to life on their own. That's something miraculous. That's, an, that's a, another kind of power that we can't even understand. In fact, Paul calls it an incomparably great power. In other words, the power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead, you can't compare it with anything else. It's, it's bigger than nuclear power. You say, how can it be bigger than nuclear power? Well, we figured nuclear power out, but we can't raise people from the dead. So raising people from the dead must be a greater power than nuclear power. We figured out electricity, but we can't raise dead people. I mean, we figured out a lot of powerful things. We can build great big skyscrapers, but we still can't raise the dead. So this must be some sort of uncomparable great power that can raise people from the dead because it's God's power. This is extremely powerful power. And this power you got to get this too. This power is in you. That kind of power is living inside you. It's the Holy Spirit. And he can help you do anything that you need to glorify Jesus. This power helps us live in our true identity in Christ. This power helps us do impossible things as humans. This power helps us obey the words of God, even when we don't want to. <laughs> this power helps us love our enemies and pray for people that persecute us and hate us. This power helps us do the hard work of forgiving people that we don't want to forgive. This power helps us focus on the unseen, eternal kingdom of Jesus Christ that is powerful in us and flowing through us. This is what this power does. It's an incomparable, great power. I say, Pastor Mark, I still don't get it. I'm still having a hard time understanding it. Well, let me, let me give you something to do. If you need some help understanding, just in a small way, how this power works in, in you, how it's in you, 
I, I want to encourage you to do something when you go home. Take a fork out of your drawer. And you got four little things on your fork, right? Take number two and break it off. And take number four and break it off. So now you just have two prongs left in that fork, right? And they're a perfectly equidistant uh, distance apart from each other so that you can now take that fork and stick it in a light socket. So I want to encourage you, if you're struggling with the Holy Spirit's power in you, you go home and do that. You stick that fork in that light socket and you're going to get a jolt of power through you. Now, I don't know why in particular it, it really hurts your elbow. Okay, those that just laugh know exactly what I'm talking about. They've probably been electrocuted before, right? Um, and, and for some reason, it really likes your elbow. And um, you don't like your elbow afterwards, but um, I've been electrocuted several times. Those are dumber stories for dumber days. Um, just Pastor Mark being really dumb. Um, and... Uh, and you'll feel this power go through you and here's what you need to know about that. That's incomparable to the power of the Holy Spirit in you. Now, honestly, I'm not really suggesting you go home and electrocute yourself. Like, seriously, I really don't want you to do that. But um, here's what's interesting about that power. Verse 19 tells us something interesting about that power. It says the power that is ours in Christ is because of the B word. What's the B word? Believe. And his incomparable great power for us who believe. Why are we asking this question all year long? What do I believe? Because it's huge. It absolutely will change everything about your life, how you think, how you respond to the world around you, how you treat your neighbors and your friends and your wife and your kids and your dog, everything. Just stop kicking the dog. I don't know how you can do it. It's the power of God. Everything in your life can change when you believe in Jesus. We're talking about believing all year long because there's nothing more valuable and more important in all of our human existence than believing in Jesus Christ as our Savior and our Lord. Nothing. Nothing even comes close. Paul used the word. It's incomparable. You can't compare it to anything. Nothing is as powerful as our relationship with Jesus. But here's what Paul says. This power that we can obtain as humans is only there when you Believe. You must believe in Jesus. But when you do, that power, it's in you. That hope is in you. That inheritance is yours. And no one can take it away. Would you stand with me? These three things are available to us because we are in Christ. Hope, inheritance, and power. Our challenge is to get to know God better. As we get to know God better, we discover that He is a hope giver. He's an inheritance sender. And He is a power instiller. That's who God is. Getting to know God better brings meaningful change to our lives as we discover a hope, an inheritance in Christ, and a power through the Holy Spirit that helps us live in this difficult world. That's why God does what He does. That's why He's giving us these gifts that He wants to give us. He's doing this because He knows exactly what we need and exactly what is perfect for us in our life right now in 2023. I want to pray and I want to close and just um, just give us a challenge as we go. I'm going to invite whoever our prayer partners are this morning to just kind of come down while we're praying and take your spot and just be available if anyone would like to pray this morning. But would you, just all of us together, let's join in prayer. Lord, we thank you so much.
for who you are. You are the triune God, God the Father, God the Son, Jesus Christ, and God the Holy Spirit, the power living in us. Lord, we want to get to know you better. It's so important for us as followers and disciples of Jesus Christ that we know who you are and we know you better every single day. I pray that you would help us with these three things. We'd understand in very, very deep ways the hope that you've called us to, the inheritance that is ours as followers of Christ, and a power that is inside of us because you've deposited the Holy Spirit there. Lord, we thank you as we leave this room this morning that we leave with a totally different understanding of who you are. We leave with a comprehension and a knowledge and a wisdom that we didn't have before. Help us to live in that, Lord. And help us to see when you're revealing new things to us that we're ignoring. Help us to know that that's the Holy Spirit working through us to not spurn it or be discouraged by it, but to run into it. And Lord, help us to fix our lives, our entire lives, on the unseen, on what is eternal, on the spiritual blessing that we have in Christ, not this physical world. Lord, it's hard to detach from this physical world, so we need your help with that. Would you help every single one of us to detach from the physical world and put all of our importance on the spiritual world? We give you thanks and praise, Jesus, as we follow you. In Jesus' name we pray. If you agree, would you say amen with me? Amen. Amen. Well, thanks for being here this morning. Thanks for being in church. And I want to remind you that Jesus loves you very much. So do Kate and I. Have a great week. Happy Father's Day, everybody.